If you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, familiar portion of scripture that we'll read from, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I figured since I'm doing the recording here at the church that I would teach tonight's lesson from a familiar place, the platform uh, that the last time we worshiped in was on Sunday, March 15th, and that I would teach from this, this pulpit, this podium. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the message tonight that I share with my church family comes from a devotional that I am currently using on my phone Bible app. It spoke to me in such a way that I feel that it would be beneficial if I share it with my church family. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to hear your word and to share your word. I ask that you will help me. Let your spirit lead and guide me as I share your word with your people. Let your spirit lead me and let our hearts be open to receive. We give you all the thanks and the praise in Jesus name. Amen. It was just after 11 p.m. on July 15th of 1960 in the Memorial Coliseum of Los Angeles, California, that the Democratic National Convention introduced to the podium their party's nominee for president. The man who would become the youngest to ever be elected president of the United States of America, John F. Kennedy, at just 43 years of age, gave his acceptance speech that night. He delivered a speech that would later become known as the New Frontier, during which he said, we stand today on the edge of a new frontier, but the new frontier of which I speak is not a set of promises, it is a set of challenges. It sums up not what I intend to offer the American people, but rather what I intend to ask of them. It is important for us to know that life is a set of challenges, problems, and hassles. We sometimes imagine that if we could just deal with the immediate challenge and overcome it, that somehow all our problems would be over. But life is not like that at all. If we resolve one problem, there's another one just around the corner waiting for us. I've not come to be discouraging, but rather to strengthen you uh, with a little understanding of what life is. The temptation that we face is to see challenges as things that prevent us from carrying out our ministry, the ministry that God has given to us. The fact of the matter is, though, dealing with problems is the ministry. It is what God has called us to, is leading us to, and will carry us through. One religious leader put it this way. 
referring to a set of problems that some people were facing, he says, these are not the problems associated with the ministry. Rather, they are the ministry. How we deal with problems, hassles, and challenges really is the ministry that God has called us to in this life. And speaking of the Bible, the Bible is true to life. My devotional usually encompasses a reading from one of the poetic books of the Bible, such as Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Job, uh, a reading from the New Testament and a reading from the Old Testament. The reading for this particular day was Psalm 81, Acts 25, and 2 Kings chapters 12, 13, and 14. In Psalm 81, the psalmist, we find, faced pain and distress. In Acts 25, we find that the Apostle Paul faced false accusation and the frustration of being kept in prison on illegitimate charges. And then in 2 Kings chapters 12, 13, and 14, we find the kings of the Old Testament face battles, physical battles, with other kingdoms as well as a massive building project challenge. I'm sure that we could relate with. The truth is, I am reminded that the relatively minor challenges that you or I face, um, those problems and hassles are usually insignificant uh, when compared to what the people of God have faced in the past and some still face in the present. Psalm 81 verse 7 says, Thou callest in trouble and I delivered thee, says the Lord. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee, or I tested you, at the waters of Meribah. First and foremost, in this message tonight, I want to remind us that in times of difficulty, we must talk to God about our problems. I know that our initial perhaps knee-jerk reaction when we're facing difficulties or hassles or challenges is we talk to our family members, we talk to our friends, we get on social media and post about it. We talk to everybody or listen to everybody, but talk and listen to God. But we must talk to God about our problems. In fact, I wanna ask you this question. Are you in a time of testing right now in your life? Of course, we could be talking about what we are facing nationally and even globally, but personally, are you in a time of testing? God sometimes allows us to be tested as he allowed his people to be tested at the waters of Mirabah. The children of Israel were tested there and they're literal and natural thirsty. But he does not want you to face the test and challenges of life by yourself. You can talk to God about any and all of your problems. In Psalm 81, verse 6 and 7, God says, I removed the burden from their shoulders. In your distress, you called and I rescued. In the message translation or paraphrase version of Psalm 81, verse 6 and 7, it says it this way. I took the world off your shoulders. 
freed you from a life of hard labor. Of course, this is him referring to their time in Egypt as slaves. He said, you called me in your pain. I got you out of a bad place. Whatever situations or difficulties you and I face, we could bring them to God in prayer. For God removed the people's burdens and rescued them in their distress. That is why the psalmist starts off the psalm of Psalm 81 this way. Sing for joy to God our strength. Because he looks in hindsight and realizes that God answered their cry, delivered them from their burdens, and rescued them in their distress. Secondly, I want you to understand through this message that we must trust that God is in control. So first, we must talk to God about our problems. Second, we must trust that God is in control. Faith means trusting God. A well-known uh, Christian author, C.S. Lewis, he wrote concerning faith, that faith is the art of holding on to things your reason had once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Because let's face it, it is hard to trust God when everything seems like it's going wrong. Yes, perhaps when things were uh, well, things were good, there were things that we heard from the Word of God, we felt in or impressed upon us in the Spirit that we said, we believe that. We believe that God is able. But when you're in the midst of it all and your emotions are up and down and sideways and every which way but right, it is hard to trust God during those times. But faith says, I'll believe in God. I'll trust in God even when my moods and emotions change. In the book of Acts, chapter 25, Luke records Paul's trial in a very objective and unemotional way. He just kind of records it as an observer. This must have been an extraordinary, frustrating time for Paul. This great leader of the church, the Apostle Paul, this evangelist, this teacher, he is locked away, incarcerated, and apparently unable to do what he feels called and led of God to do. Have you ever felt like that? God is calling you, you feel, to do something, but your present set of circumstances makes you feel like it is preventing you from doing what God has called you to do. You see, Paul was in jail. He was enduring the physical constraints and the discomfort of imprisonment. In Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 7, we read about some of these things. We find that serious charges are brought against the apostle. He defends himself by pointing out that he's done nothing wrong. But Festus, who was a civil leader or a governor of the province of Judea, he was more interested in what people thought rather than in what was right. Festus felt the pressure of the people and caved to it. 
But our first question as believers in the 21st century, our first question should always be, what is the right thing to do? Anytime you're faced with uh, uncertainty or a difficult decision, the question should always be, what is the right thing to do? But Festus, the governor of Judea, was more concerned about popularity rather than justice. He was more concerned about finding uh, the approval of, of people rather than doing what is right. When King Agrippa, uh, in his travels, comes and meets with Festus, Festus discusses Paul's case to the king. Festus says, when Paul's accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their religion and, as Festus says, about a dead man named Jesus, whom Paul claims to be alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ should always be at the heart of the message that you and I proclaim. The only accusation that could be made to stick was that Paul was preaching that Jesus was alive. Even though several other accusations and false charges had been brought against Paul, this was the only one that really seemed to stick, that Paul was claiming that Jesus is alive. For the Apostle Paul, in the middle of all of these difficulties and frustrations, it must have been very hard for him to see what good could possibly come out of all of this dishonesty from the people, his accusers, this, these delays, and uh, just these trials, these annoying, bothersome trials. Yet as always, God was at work for good. As Paul himself would write later in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. First, in the immediate, we find it resulted in an opportunity for Paul to speak not only to Festus, but also to, the, to a king, King Agrippa. After hearing all about Paul, Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man for myself. So here, Paul is presented an opportunity. You see, in times of frustration and hassle, you never know, you and I, we never know what opportunities might be presented to us that otherwise we would have never met. Secondly, not only in the immediate, but in the near future, we find that Paul's delays and frustrations and testing and this hassle that he's dealing with, we find it resulted in Paul being sent to Rome. Paul had previously expressed his desire to go to Rome to preach the gospel. You could read it in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. The Lord himself also confirmed that Paul would testify in Rome, according to Acts 23, verse 11. 
And it was because of what took place in Paul's defense of himself that he was eventually sent to Rome. So in the immediate future, we find that Paul had an opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. In the near future, he was able to go to Rome and testify of Jesus Christ. But then thirdly, in the long term, 2,000 years later, many, many people have now been able to read Paul's story in Acts 25 and be encouraged to know that he also faced false accusations and imprisonment and criticism. You see, I suspect that Paul, he would have been astonished to know that in the midst of all of his pain and problems, how much good was going to come out of them for future generations. And you and I may never know in this life how God will use our faithfulness to him in the face of challenges for other people's benefits. The third reading is from the Old Testament in my devotion, and that was 2 Kings chapter 12, 13, and 14. And the lesson that we would take from these chapters is that we must take every opportunity that God gives to us. When reading 2 Kings chapter 12, you will find yourself in the middle of a rather depressing history of the kings of both Israel and Judah. Yet, there is an incident in the life of the prophet Elisha that encourage us to take, encourages us to take every opportunity that God gives to be persistent and to never give up. You see, Leaders in life, generally speaking, not, not just church leaders, but civic leaders, leaders in government, leaders in, in life in general, we find they can sometimes be a bit of a mixed bag, just like the leaders of Israel and Judah. In 2 Kings chapter 13, we find that some leaders did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. While in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 3, it says that some leaders do right in the eyes of the Lord. God is extraordinarily gracious, and we see that in King Jehoahaz in his life. The Bible says he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but yet he sought favor from the Lord. And the Bible says something very mysterious. In 2 Kings 13, verse 4, the Lord listened to this wicked king. You see, whenever you seek the Lord's favor, he will listen to you. You may feel like you have led a, an awful life, a, a very wicked life, but you know what? Even, even the wicked, when they cry out to God in sincerity, God will hear their prayer. In this list of leaders was King Joash of Judah. And he was probably the best example. The Bible said he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, even though it was only for part of his, his uh, reign as king. Joash, during his reign as king, he took on a building project. Refuge Church, can you relate? Like many projects, it took far longer than he expected. Again, Refuge Church, can you relate? By the 23rd year of King Joash's reign, the priests who were supposed to be in charge of the construction project of the temple, rebuilding the temple, 
The king calls a meeting and he asks the priests, why aren't you repairing the damage that has been done to the temple? Now, they eventually get on with the work. They collect the money that they need for the project and they all acted, astonished, uh, amazingly, acted in complete honesty and progress was made. Now, of course, today, God's temple, his true temple, is no longer primarily a physical building, but the people of God. You and I make up the temple or the dwelling place of our God. Our money, our effort go into building up, primarily go into building up people, the people of God, whether in number, trying to bring more people into the kingdom through evangelism, or in maturity as we make disciples and we see people grow in Jesus Christ, or even in our outreach, in, in our care for the community. However, like you and I are aware of, sometimes we need buildings for this, and it is not wrong to spend money on brick and mortar, on infrastructure of church when it is necessary, as we have done in the purchase of our property, and as we will do in the building of our future facilities. Now, as well as the challenges of buildings, the people of God face the challenge of battles. They had enemies from without. In particular, in 2 Kings chapter 13, we see how they had to face the Syrians. Elisha, the prophet, says to the king of Israel, get a bow and some arrows. Take the arrows and strike the ground. Many of you know this story. The king, he struck the ground three times and he stopped. Elijah said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated the Syrians and completely destroyed them. But now you will only have victory three times. Whatever challenges you and I are facing today, we must keep praying. We must keep trusting. We must keep looking for opportunities to serve God and never, never give up. Let us pray. Mighty God, we come before you right now and we thank you that you are our strength and you are the joy that we can have as we face challenges and problems in life. Lord, we call on you today to rescue us in the midst of our problems, our challenges, and Lord, the hassles and frustrations that we face. Lord, we thank you that you are with us whenever we face false accusations and criticism. We thank you that through all of our frustrations of life, you work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, as we face challenges ahead, give us the determination, the determination to not give up, but to persevere and to carry through to the very end. Lord, we love you. Lord, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. You've been so good and so faithful to us. Lord, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name and let the people of God say amen. Amen. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you in person in the building this Sunday 
at 2 p.m. God bless you in Jesus' name.